Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. What it did for them is it taught them to look for a better country. It helped them to wean them away. God was weaning them away from this world. A weaning process. You know, a nursing baby looks up at his mother one day and he says, like Clark, (laughs) and he says, I'm tired of this milk. I want a double whopper with cheese. (laughs) you think clark's gonna do that i don't think so (laughs) that baby has to be weaned off of his mother's milk and he doesn't like it he doesn't like to be weaned off because it's good because he doesn't like to be weaned off with the promise of better things that are out there like double whoppers with cheese (laughs) and the patriarchs they made a pretty nice comfortable life in the land of canaan and they needed to be weaned away from Canaan to get ready and to be yearning for heaven. You know, this is what God did with these families. And he did it through the starvations, these famines. That was God's way of weaning the patriarchs off the land. You know, the same is true of us. We're like birds. We like to nest. We like nesting. We like nests. Nests are so nice. We like to do that. I remember one year when I went to Medica, which is the largest medical trade show in the world every year in Dusseldorf, in the very worst time of the year for Dusseldorf, which is November. It's a miserable time. Oh, it rains and it's muddy. The whole thing is like muddy snow <laughs> all over. And, uh, and of course, every year all the hotel rooms are booked and I didn't get one early enough. So, But I was finally able to find this hotel room near the train station and the hotel was dirty. <laughs> and the carpet was so dirty with mud that it dried onto the floor there that your socks got dirty walking on the floor (laughs) you know and I was there for four days and you know what I kind of got attached to that room that's kind of (laughs) strange I did I made it my own I looked out the window at the snow and it felt cozy in there and I remember I was actually kind of sad when I had to leave the room (laughs) when I came home you know that's the way we are in the world it doesn't matter what kind of situation we're in we're kind of like birds we just make a nest Especially in a place as nice as San Diego, which is not covered in muddy snow. You know, it's very easy to make a nice life down here, to make a nice nest in America's finest city. And God has to put some painful events to wean us away from San Diego to make us ready to yearn for heaven. And we wonder when that happens, why is this happening to me? I'm a child of God. Why did the paint on my perfect new car get dinged? Yeah. Why did my perfect health fail? Why did I lose my perfect job? 
Why did I have to move out of my perfect home? Why did the doctor say I had cancer when I prayed really hard that it would be benign? And these are all part of God's, of the pains of God's weaning process to take our interests and desires away from this world and that is passing away and on to heaven where our eternal future is. And we don't like to be weaned from the world. It's painful to be weaned. Just ask the baby. He doesn't like it. But just as God allowed famines to come into the lives of the three patriarchs to wean them from their, their world of Canaan, so God allows troubles to come into our lives to wean us away from our world of San Diego. So famines in their lives and troubles in our lives are for the same purpose, which is to create a desire. To create a desire, which is spoken of in Hebrews eleven sixteen. Hebrews eleven sixteen says, now they desire a better country. Keep in mind that Hebrews 11 is, is, is this terrible history of the, all the terrible things that happen. They're being sawed, they're being chased, they're naked, and oh man, everything's going on. But then God says in Hebrews eleven sixteen, now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. A city. Bible opens in a garden, man in a garden. Bible closes in Revelation, man in a city. Now, Joseph in his wisdom, it was Joseph's wisdom, of course God gave it to him, but Joseph's wisdom that he had decided to organize all that store of food for the Egyptians. And they were saved because the Egyptians were saved from the starvation because they obeyed Joseph. You know what? Joseph would have done the same for his family if they hadn't sold him as a slave. It's the same person. He would have done it just as the Lord would have brought salvation to, as the Lord did bring salvation to the Gentiles who obeyed him, he would have brought salvation to the Jewish people if they had not rejected him. Okay, now, look at verse one, and tell me the title of the brothers. How are they entitled indirectly? They have a title there. Verse one, who are they? They're sons. They're Jacob's sons. Jacob said unto his sons, they are Jacob's sons. Now look at verse three. Tell me now, what's their title in verse three? Joseph's brothers, Joseph's brother. Now look at verse five. What's their title in verse five? Sons of Israel. Doesn't that strike you as strange? I mean, isn't it strange to you that within five verses, the same group of brothers should be called by three different titles? That it, why? Within five verses are the same brothers called by these three different titles. It's purposeful. It's purposeful, and we need to see the purpose. We need to see that these different titles, you know, the sons of Jacob, brothers of Joseph, the sons of Israel, these are showing us a transition If there's one word that you can give to a title for these four chapters, it's the word change. And these four chapters represent the greatest change that will happen to the brothers of Jacob. Because within these three titles, it's the key to the great change that's going to happen to this band of brothers. And to see the meaning behind these three titles is to see the great transition that's going to happen to the band of brothers here. I was going to say band of trouble because that's what they are also. But here we're calling them band of brothers. And the transition for this band of brothers starts in verse 1 where they're called the sons of Jacob. And then they become, in verse 3, 
the brothers of Joseph, and then they become, in verse 5, the sons of Israel. Okay, so let's start. In verse 1, we see this band of brothers are called the sons of Jacob, and it says, Jacob said unto his sons. Now, the sons of Jacob means they're acting just like Jacob. Jacob was the person who was stubborn. He was rebellious against God. He did not submit to God. He resisted submitting to God. And Jacob was the one who made a deal with God, remember, in in chapter 28 at Bethel, that if God would be with them as the welfare provider (laughs) and give them food and clothing and protection from his enemies, then in the future, he promised that he would make the Lord his God and he would give a tenth of all that he had to him. And that was in Genesis 28, 20, when it says Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God and this stone which I set up be God's house and of all that thou shalt give me, I'll give a tenth to thee. So God did live up to his end of the deal and God was with Jacob and he gave Jacob, what he really wanted with food, the clothing, the protection, the peace from his enemies. But Jacob didn't live up to his end of the deal. And God, will you just please be the great provider and protector? But don't make me make you the Lord of my life. That never happens to Christians, does it? (laughs) But God loved Jacob too much to let him get away with that. So one night in Jacob's life, God cornered Jacob in between Two people that wanted to kill him, Esau and Laban. And that one night, in that momentous night, God broke Jacob. He crushed him. And God crippled Jacob for the rest of his life. He was crippled. And then God crowned Jacob with a new name, a new power, and a new vision in his life, all centered around the name Israel. That all happened on one night in Genesis 32. What a night that was. When we read in Genesis 32, 24, 32, 24, Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he was, saw that he couldn't prevail against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. The hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? He said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel for as a prince hast thou power with God with men prevailed. Before that night, it was the person with the old name of Jacob who had a life of wrestling with God. And as Jacob wrestled with God, Jacob was saying to God, no, I won't have you rule over me. I'll marry who I want to marry, and I'm not, I don't need to ask you about that. And I'll do what I want to do in life, and I don't need to ask you about that. My name's Jacob, and if Jacob wants something like a birthright, then Jacob's going to lie and deceive to get it because I get what I want. I don't care how I do it. Because I'm a self-made man. That was Jacob. That was Jacob in his life. That was the man who had the name Jacob. The self-willed, self-made, proud man. His name was Jacob. And that was the man named Jacob that God cornered in Genesis 32. And that was the man named Jacob that God crushed in Genesis 32. And that was the man named Jacob that got crippled for the rest of his life in Genesis 32, and that was the man named Jacob that God crowned in Genesis 32 as a prince with God in Israel. And that was the man named Jacob that God said in Genesis 32, I don't want your name to be any more Jacob. Instead of that man, I want another man here, and I'm giving you a new name, and that's Israel. That's the man of Genesis. That was the man in Genesis 32 that God wanted for the old man Jacob to die 
and for the new man Israel to live. Genesis 32 is all a Galatians 2.20 experience. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. You put that in the context of Genesis 32, it comes out this way. Jacob is crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, Jacob lives, yet not Jacob. But Jehovah Jesus lives in Jacob, so that Jacob has a new name, Israel. And the life which Jacob lives is Israel. Now in the flesh, he lives by the faith in Jehovah Jesus who loved him and gave himself for Jacob. Or if you like, the old man is Jacob, the new man is Israel. So it's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Put it in the context of Genesis 32. Therefore, if Jacob be in Jehovah Jesus, Jacob is a new creature. Old things like the name of Jacob, the name and character of Jacob are passed away. All things are become new, like the name and character of Israel. It's very important to see what these names are here for Jacob and Israel, what they mean. And twice, God said to Jacob that he didn't want him to be called any more Jacob, but he meant, I don't want to see any more of that rebellious, self-willed man named Jacob to continue. But in his place, God wanted to call him Israel because God wanted him to be the prince of God, which is what Israel means. And that's the prince that follows the king. That's God. And so that's why he said in Genesis 32, 28, 32, 28, he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God with men. And he repeated it in Genesis 35, 10. And God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called anymore Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. I don't know about you, but I see God getting irritated there. I see God saying, I thought I told you this once already. All right, let's go through it again. The Jacob in us is the man that God wants to replace with the man named Israel. So in verse one, when the band of brothers is called the sons of Jacob, that means they're acting just like Jacob, the old man who wanted God just to get out of their lives. And in this case, it meant that these brothers wanted nothing to do with Joseph in their lives, And this is who the brothers are in verse 1, and that explains their past. And in that state, as the sons of Jacob in verse 1, the brothers are a picture of the Jewish people today. Because just as the sons of Jacob wanted nothing to do with Joseph, so the Jewish people today are the sons of Jacob, and they want nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. They won't even say his name. They are certainly not proud of the Lord Jesus, and the brothers are certainly not proud of Joseph. And just as the brothers in verse 1 are not called the brothers of Joseph, because they would rather that Joseph was not even related to them. Just so the Jewish people today would not call themselves related to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Jewish people today would rather that the Lord Jesus Christ was not Jewish and not related to them. But it changes in verse 3. Because now the brothers come into Egypt, and now they're called the brothers of Joseph. Because they're like Jacob at the beginning of the night in Genesis 32. Because when Jacob came to that night, Jacob was heading for a confrontation with Jehovah Jesus. And the same is true for these brothers as they went down into Egypt in verse 3. They're heading for a confrontation 
with Joseph. And that's the reason why they're called in verse 3, the Joseph's brethren or the brothers of Joseph. They're heading for a confrontation with their brother Joseph, who they despised and rejected. And that's where we are right now in the history of the Jewish people. There's a great change happening today, and it's worldwide, and it's against the Jews. As anti-Semitism and violence against the Jews is on the rise in college campuses and where Jews congregate, like synagogues in our country, as different radical Islamic terrorist groups are gaining more power around the world, and they'll kill each other. But there's one thing that unites them. It's not Allah. (laughs) It's not Ramadan. (laughs) What unites them is their desire to kill all Jews. That they all agree on. And as the Middle East is becoming more weaponized, as our country has mismade a deal for I don't know how many billions of dollars of arms for Saudi Arabia, the weapons are getting dumped into the Middle East. And as the UN has voted to condemn Israel, and as the impeachment of the best friend Israel has ever had in a present, Donald Trump is becoming more and more likely. And as the world is uniting more and more to be against Israel, you know what? The Jewish people are being forced to face the Lord Jesus Christ, their Jewish brother that they have despised and rejected. And for that reason, the Jewish people could soon be titled the brothers of the Lord Jesus Christ as they will be forced into a face-to-face confrontation with their estranged brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is just like the sons of Jacob here. They're being forced by a famine to have to face Joseph, their brother that they had despised and rejected, their estranged brother. And for that reason, they're titled in verse 3, the brothers of Joseph, because they're going to be forced into a face-to-face confrontation with their estranged brother, Joseph. Now in verse 5, the brothers are now named the sons of Israel. The sons of Israel came to buy corn in verse 5. And among them that came for the famine was in the land of Canaan, and that Joseph was the governor of the land. He it was that sold to all the people in the land. Joseph's brethren came, bowed down themselves before him with their face to the earth. So as we see in verse 5, the brothers are coming because of the famine. And they're coming with a dependence on Joseph, even though they don't know who he is. They're going to buy corn. And they're acting like Israel with a dependence on God. So they're the sons of Israel. And here, as we see in verse 6, the brothers are submitting to the authority and the rulership of Joseph by bowing down to Joseph, not as the Egyptians did. As we saw a little bit earlier, they just had to bend the knee. But in verse 6 here, these are brothers are going farther. They're putting their faces on the ground before Joseph. And so we see the brothers acting like Israel, submitting to the authority and rulership of God. And so they are the sons of Israel. And just as the brothers were under the pressure of the famine, so the Jewish people will be under the pressure of all nations being gathered against them in war, as it says in Zechariah 14.2, Zechariah 14.2, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women raped, and half the city shall go into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off. And then Zechariah 13.8, Zechariah 13.8, it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And just as the brothers of Joseph were helped by Joseph, even though they didn't know who he was, so the Jewish people are going to be helped by the Lord Jesus Christ, even though they will not at the first 
No, it will be the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as the brothers were helped, and at the first, they didn't know it was Joseph. As it says in Zechariah 14.3, Zechariah 14.3, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And just as under the famine pressure, the brothers were starting the reconciliation process with Joseph by coming into Egypt, and that made them be called the sons of Israel, so the Jewish people under the war pressure will start the reconciliation process with the Lord Jesus Christ by calling out to God, who they don't know who he is, for help, and that will make them the sons of Israel. And just as the brothers bowed to the authority and the rulership of Joseph, that further made them the sons of Israel. So the Jewish people are going to bow to the authority and the rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that will make them the sons of Israel. As just as that there will come a reconciliation between the brothers and Joseph, when Joseph will be unmasked, it's a popular word now, will be unmasked before them, and with that great confession to the brothers, Joseph will say to them, in Genesis 45.4, Genesis 45.4, Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. That will make the brothers the sons of Israel, as they reconcile with their estranged brother Joseph. So there's going to come a day when one Jewish person is going to look at him on the Mount of Olives and is going to notice wounds in his hands, wounds in the hands of the Lord Jesus, going to ask about those wounds. And from his answer, that he's going to be essentially saying to them, I am Jesus, who you crucified, your brother. Zechariah 13.6, Zechariah 13.6, one shall say unto him, what are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friend. That will make them the sons of Israel as they reconcile with their estranged brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've seen that this is the first of four chapters here that show this great transition of the brothers, which illustrates the great transition of the Jewish people from the sons of Jacob in verse 1, living their self-willed life, despising, rejecting their brother Joseph, illustrating the Jewish people as the sons of Jacob, living their self-willed lives of despising, rejecting their brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, transitioning to the brothers of Joseph in verse 3, starting down that road of reconciliation with their estranged brother Joseph, illustrating the Jewish people as the brothers of the Lord Jesus Christ, starting down their road of reconciliation with their estranged brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, transitioning to the sons of Israel in verse 5, now dependent on their brother Joseph, submitting to their authority of their brother Joseph, illustrating the Jewish people as the sons of Israel, dependent on their brother, and submitting to the authority of their brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the clock's broken, so I have no idea what time it is, so let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Lord, you recorded all these things down here in your word for us. And we pray that, Lord, you would help us to use these things to stir up our spirits, Lord, for our redemption draws nigh. And so does the redemption of the Jewish people. And so we pray that you would use this that we've studied this morning as a guidebook for prayer and a guidebook for heart uh, fervency. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.